You're listening to Parents You've Got This, the expert guide to parenthood. The complete guide to pregnancy, birth, baby and parenthood. This podcast is brought to you by Parents You've Got This and proudly supported by Mastella. Mastella is a natural origin skincare for babies and children, recommended by healthcare professionals. Mastella by Parents Side since 1950. This week on the podcast, we're going to be talking all about birth trauma, which is a really important topic with one in three women claiming to have birth trauma or birth trauma affecting their families. It can be physical symptoms or it can be psychological symptoms. And today we're going to delve into this with our obstetrician expert, Dr. Peter Jesevic. Dr. Peter Jesevic has more than 26 years of obstetrics and gynecological expertise. He has delivered thousands of babies. He is a pioneer of the maternally assisted caesarean and he works in both public and private practice. Thank you so much, Pete, for being with us today. My pleasure. So, Pete, we thought we'd start the podcast just by talking about the definition of birth trauma. What is birth trauma? Sure. So, as you alluded to at the start, uh, one in three women uh, appear to be affected by some degree of birth trauma, whether it be physical or emotional. And with a birth rate in Australia that amounts to about 300-odd thousand babies per year, mathematically that's 100,000 women, which is an enormous number, who are claiming some degree of trauma. And I guess the birth trauma from a physical respect could be in relation to localised trauma to your reproductive anatomy, so for example, tearing, excessive bleeding, and then emotional trauma if you have an adverse outcome where the baby might have been born prematurely or circumstances around feeding and a host of other issues. And you could spend hour upon hour talking about each of the individual types, but that's in general what it is. So Pete, these statistics are are so high. Um, Why is it that they are so high? Is there anything that we can be aware of around the reasons why we're seeing one in three women that are suffering these sorts of things? Sure. I think it's an excellent question. And as a person who has spent his life uh, providing women's health care, delivering women, delivering their babies, it really does require a lot of self-reflection. Uh, and then across the whole obstetric fraternity from obstetricians, the medical doctors, through to the midwives, the doulas, uh, the women themselves as they undertake the journey to really look from the very beginning of when you are pregnant all the way through to the birth process and then afterwards, where does the problem lie? And I guess you'd almost have to take 100,000 yearly individual stories to get a real sense of what it is. Mm -hmm. From a birth perspective, if you look at birth trauma, we have expected birth rates We know what percentage of women deliver as a normal delivery, 50%. We know what percentage of women will sustain a tear at that delivery. It's about 90 to 95%. We know that about one in seven, 15% will have a forceps or a vacuum, and there can be issues associated with that. There's about 35% of the patients will have a caesarean section, of which some of those will be emergencies, uh, for whatever indication. You've got issues in relation to post-birth pelvic floor prolapse and I guess anatomical derangement, issues with incontinence, etc., 40%. And then you talk about issues with challenging breastfeeding, babies who don't behave and sleep well, babies who have gastrointestinal issues, colic mm-hmm. and reflux, and the impact that has on your mind state. We know that a significant percentage of women suffer from postnatal depression. Well, 80% get the blues, but a significant percentage go on to postnatal depression. And then what it comes down to is what was the preparation and the education like leading up to the birth? How was that delivery then managed? What were the supports afterwards? And are there potentially failings in any of those particular points which then lead to that outcome? And I don't think there's one simple answer to a really good question. 
And also birth trauma can affect not only the birthing person, but their support person in the room, their partner, um, and people looking after them post-birth. Do you want to talk a little bit about how, you know, those circumstances can affect that person? Profoundly. And, and I think that's probably one of the more underspoken about undermentioned issues. Uh, the classic example is if you have a woman who has a challenging birth where the circumstances become quite dangerous and or you know, life-threatening to the woman uh, and it might require, for example, a transfer to theatre if, say, there's a bleeding issue or so on. Now, the partner doesn't go into theatre at that, at that time. So the partner's in the birth suite or wherever they are on their own, uninformed as to what's going on with their partner who's just delivered their baby. And so we certainly have a duty of care whilst we're in the midst of fixing the problem, which may be a life-threatening problem, and we're obviously hands-in, very focused on what we're doing, to try to also have some sympathy to what's going on in the mindset of that person outside the room, and occasionally even just say <coughs> to one of the support staff, nurses, midwives, quickly go out, just let such and such know we're under control, or this is what's going on, we'll be out to speak to them afterwards. Uh, and that's just one example. Um, mm -hmm. But... If you've got a person who's got really severe postnatal depression, you probably don't understand why. You're supposed to have just had the most joyous thing in your life, and yet your partner is here very, very morbidly depressed, potentially self-harm sort of ideation, and you probably don't understand why that is, and that can be very traumatic to watch. And again, I could give you thousands of different examples, but it can be very profound for partners as well. Um, Pete, are there any risk factors that people can be aware of that might make people more likely to have birth trauma, whether it be physical or psychological? Yes. So when we talk about birth education and when we talk about that progression up until when you are having a baby, there is or should be enormous conversations about what it is that you, as the person who's going to have the baby, expect. Uh, and also your understanding of what you're about to go through. And I've just alluded to before about statistics. And so it would be, you'd have to be cautious to go into a birth and assume that you're just going to have a completely normal birth, that sort of that Teflon delivery where it's super quick, super easy, there's no tearing, there's no aftermath, the baby feeds perfectly and you're off and running. We would blessedly want that for every single woman having a baby. So I think it's really good to, first of all, just give people an understanding of set expectations. Okay? Then it leads into the importance of birth education, the absolute importance of understanding the birth process. And as a great example, we do a fantastic thing through Parents You've Got This as a birth education class to really understand all the issues associated with having a baby, the steps, the processes, pain relief, but also the active birthing preparation so looking at the Mars calm birthing into birthing so you have a really good skill set for managing the dynamic of labor perineal preparation to try to minimize some of those high statistics for tears I, I think the whole conversation about birthing at home or a hospital you have to make your own informed decision but really ultimately because birth can be such a challenging time I would personally always advocate birth in a hospital because you're in a safe place I would like to think you can still create a home birth experience where we can make the room very satisfactory to your requirements, but you're in a safe place so we can react to problems because birth can be very dynamic. Babies become distressed, people bleed, um, people sometimes struggle to get the baby out, and that can change very, very quickly. That leads us to the next part about having someone who is there to support you from a medical perspective. So if it goes really well, you won't need that help. And I actually say sometimes the best births I'm at are when I just sit on my hands and watch a beautiful birth. 
but I'm trained to help you when there are problems. And hopefully the level of expertise of the person who is in the room will be able to ensure that if you need assistance, it won't be traumatic assistance. I mean, mm -hmm. a forceps, we hear lots of stories, forceps can cause quite a lot of harm to a woman if they're used inappropriately, without skill, and in the wrong situation. Um, but vice versa, used carefully, that can be a fantastic tool to deliver a baby if you can't or need to be delivered quickly. Caesarean section. You know, I use this expression sometimes without being flippant. A caesarean section is like a get-out-of-jail-free card. In obstetrics, if you cannot get a baby out, if the baby's unsafe, if you're unsafe, if the caesarean section is the better option for you at that moment, you're really using my skill sets to make that decision with you and that can be a way of preventing further birth trauma. Yeah. Okay. Having excellent in-hospital or postnatal supports, both in the hospital and then in the community. You know, a good community health nurse, lactation supports, access to psychiatric care if you get postnatal depression. So there are things that we can try to do to the very best of our ability which can try to reduce the incidence of birth trauma. Yet, as I say this, I go back to the very first stat, one in three, 100,000 yeah, women in Australia per year. So mm. is it possible we're not quite there yet? And arguably we aren't. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, Pete, if we know that these statistics are so high, mm. you know, why do we not have better support systems in place, like debriefing the birth once you've had a birth? I think sometimes just talking about what's mm. happened helps you process you know, your birth that you've had, mm. you know, why why do hospitals not have more support staff, you know, available um, mm. to help women? If the stats are so high, how's the country not doing something more about it? I don't think there's a simple answer uh, and it would be very difficult to speak across the bird for all institutions and all individuals. Uh, I know personally that I would be always very considered in the debrief for any delivery if, even if the outcome isn't perceived to be adverse by the patient, I think it's still good to debrief and explain to the woman the circumstances of what just happened to give her clarity. Uh, from the point of view of uh, the hospital that I work, the public hospital I work at, we have very, very good debriefing systems in place. Uh, but then, of course, the challenge is that if a person has an adverse outcome, there are still going to be constraints on bed requirements, um, you know, the staffing, the allocations and so on, and you know, the ideal of being able to, pr to provide care for the other women in the pecking order behind you that ultimately need to have a transit through. And so we would never send a woman home who's unsafe, but sometimes women will be going home when they may not feel as ready as perhaps they think they are. Yeah. And then, of course, will the community then have the supports in place? Um, to a greater or lesser degree, whilst the supports are there, there is obviously a demand, and there is only so much money in the coffers to be able to provide for the demand. So I, I could certainly say, in one respect, money can fix a lot of problems, um, and the way that that money is used, um, mm -hmm. certainly in the community setting, in the public setting, even in the private setting. Um, a great question, again, without always being able to give you the perfect answer. I wish I had perfect answers for all these questions today. We mm. like throwing your curveballs, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it mm. seems from what you're saying that knowledge is power. Mm. Um, you know, like you're saying, if you do the birth education and you, you have an understanding of the fact that birth can be dynamic um, and you have an understanding of the fact that there are supports available, albeit that they may um, be overloaded at times, mm knowledge can potentially help people. So hopefully everyone's listening to this today and to your words of wisdom, Pete. Mm. Do you have any last words of advice for women who might be either approaching their birth and, and feeling a little unsure, maybe a little anxious about what might happen, or those that have had a birth that may not have gone to plan, um, that, you know, little words of advice or some um, 
I don't know, Pete, some, some tips or some sure. guidance for them sure. um, that could really help them at this point? Sure. So as a, as a very confident broad generalisation, birth safety in Australia particularly is excellent. Uh, with Medicare-funded public care, with really pretty good private care, uh, with the institutions set up as they are, with their nursing ratios and so on, for the most part, really, the care is there for you for that particular moment if you're having a hospital-based birth. Birth education is available, and in fact, there is not all you know, costly birth education. There are ways of accessing good birth education that doesn't necessarily have to be of any cost or, or significant cost. Being careful and drowning out the noise, I think, is important. Um, and just because someone has their particular birth experience, you are your own personal individual and it may be very different for you and you're no lesser a person if you don't have the same birth experience as someone else, nor no better if your birth experience is better than the other person's. Um, having a great support person, and hopefully a supportive family, partner, parents, definitely mothers and mothers-in-laws who've raised children, they raised you. Um, and really hoping that uh, your, you know, I, I guess your local community supports are in place. And there are certainly, classic example for postnatal depression, there are online supports where, or phone supports, you know, um, Beyond Blue and Panda and so on, that you can ring up and get some advice if you need to. Mm -hmm. I think it's to, in summary, just reassure you that you will be safe. But then again, a we do have 100,000 women who are experiencing some degree of birth trauma and so hopefully with that birth education, that immediate birth support, I would certainly promise all the women I look after I'd always be very considered in the care I provide because I understand the brevity of what you're about to do and the, and the brevity of the things I can do to you if I don't do my job well. And so you want to be on your A game every day when you're doing that. So again, you could honestly spend hours and hours on this topic and you could take calls from women and they could explain their situation and you could debrief them through it. And sometimes you can see things coming at you like a freight train when labour's evolving and you can kind of see that the birth that the woman wishes to have is not going to come her way. Mm. And it's about having that conversation with her. It's a team effort having a baby, if I'm involved anyway. Yes. And it's not telling you what to do. It's, it's saying, look, my interpretation of what's going on at the moment is this where it's leading to, but if I do this, I can fix it. Do you trust that decision? Yes. Okay. So that trust between you and your doctor, doula, midwife is really important. Absolutely. And, you know, if anyone has experienced birth trauma, there's some great support systems out there. There is, you know, Birth Trauma Australia, Pink Elephant and Red Nose. Um, but I think the most important thing is to reach out for help. What you're saying, Pete, is if it has happened to you, you are one of these one in three, reach out for, for some support. The earlier you get support, the better you'll be. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Pete, thank you so much for joining us today on the Expert Guide to Parenthood podcast and a big thanks to Mistella for sponsoring this episode. Mistella empowers parents throughout their parenting journey with education and honest conversations from pregnancy and beyond. Mistella has plenty of parenting articles and resources on their website. Visit mistella.com.au. Mistella is our family's favourite. Tune in next week on the pod. And never forget, parents, you've, you've got, got this. The information provided in this podcast is general in nature and is intended to support, not replace, a discussion with your doctor or healthcare professional. Parents You've Got This take no responsibility for any medical decisions made by individuals based on the information provided in this podcast. Join a Parents You've Got This masterclass today to be prepared, excited and educated for pregnancy, birth, baby and parenthood. Visit www.parentsyouvegotthis.com.au and sign up for a masterclass today.